Hey, buddy. Hey, John. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Just give me a minute, okay? Or 30 seconds, at least. No worries, though. Thanks for being patient. I had some stuff come up this morning I wasn't expecting. Hey, that's life, man. Everything comes sure. up, you know? Sure is, man. All right. So, whenever you're ready, okay? Hey, did you want to start us off, or did you want me to start us off? Uh, let me do an intro, okay? Sounds <clears throat> perfect. Sounds good to me, man. Did you press the link? Oh, yeah, you did. Okay. Yep, I'm here. Mm. I've got. I just put my mic on. I'm gonna put my mic on mute while you do the intro, so that uh, so that you're not hearing me hacking and coughing or whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome to Be Dribbling Over. I'm your host Nathan, and well, I got a special guest. You might have heard him on my other podcast, The Industry Horror Coffin Cast. He's a stand-up comedian, and he also and also if you're around the Venture County area, he is very familiar on sports radio. It is Tom. It's time for Dodger baseball. McLean. I don't know about Dodger baseball. Yeah, you're a Giants <laughs> fan. Yeah, but I am a, a Vin Scully fan for sure. And what a what a loss we uh, we experienced over the week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of people would say idolized, but my mom put it in a a better word respect i really respected this man uh i wanted to you know <laughs> you a lot of aspiring sports broadcasters thought that <laughs> that they were after vince Goya would retire he would pass the torch to not pass the torch but pass the microphone to one of us there could only be one, but it was Jim Davis at the end. Right, that's true. Yeah, Vince Scully was one of a kind, and one of the things that made him so special is you knew that uh, you can be completely unique and you can have a completely different way of doing things and be successful because of the way he would tell stories and he would, you know, let the game breathe. And I mean, he was just absolutely amazing. He, he took uh, a sports casting to a whole new level. And it can't be duplicated because there's no copying that style. It's, it's only a, a Vin's style, you know what I mean? Exactly. If you could, if Vin Scully could be described, it's the roar of the crowd. He lets the crowd speak for itself more than the words when, of what he says. And the words that he says are, you know, on point, of mm -hmm. what's going on in the action and in the game and at that moment. But he lets the roar of the crowd speak for itself more than when he speaks, which is interesting because a lot of these days when you hear broadcasters, broadcasters just love hearing themselves talk when it's like, when it's just, just you need to just let the action speak for itself. We we have television now. We're, we're not on radio anymore. We're, you know, and. I feel like um, when, Vin, because, you know, Vin called the, the epic um, Hank run, breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. And I think that he let the crowd speak for the story, even over the radio broadcast for over two minutes. Like the, the, the excitement and everything was, he knew that there was, he knew that he wasn't. It wasn't his place to upstate, and he sat and he let that moment be experienced. And that was one of the the brilliant things that he did. That was what made made him brilliant. Was he knew when to step aside and when to add something to what was going on. And it's just a just an incredible um, a gift that he had of timing and and uh, I, I don't know what it is, but man, he just he just knew and he could go in and out of the action with stories like nobody else. It was so incredible. Yeah. 
But you know what's crazy? The fact of finding out, you know, later on that he was a huge Giants fan. And it just makes you think, well, why didn't you go with, you know, broadcasting for the Giants? Well, and, the, and you know, the Giants, well, the Giants, we have broadcasters that we absolutely love in um, in San Francisco. Um Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper, who were teammates when I was a kid, they were teammates on the Giants, and um, they've been broadcasting partners for a really long time, and it's an absolutely incredible element and, and way to hear the game from two guys who've been, not only been in baseball, but been in baseball together through all those years, but that broadcast booth that they broadcast from is called, it's the Vin Scully um, broadcast booth. And um, Vin called his final game from that booth uh, when the uh, you know the, the Dodgers visited the Giants there in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, he was a Giants fan. Apparently, he was walking past like a butcher shop or something like that that would post oh, scores. Yeah, and I it was like a, the Giants. Yeah, and the Giants had just got pounded by the Yankees in a World Series game, and so he felt really bad for him, and that's how he, he started becoming a Giants fan. Kind of almost similar to me when I saw the Cubs keep on losing. I'm like, oh, I'm a Cubs fan. I hope they win it all at some point. Well, they did. <laughs> yeah, but it might be who knows how long to the next time they win it all. <laughs> yeah, that's always I the think thing, it was man. Like fun. It's like, okay, you got to see it. All right. Yeah. My kids, because the, you know, for the 49ers is our like our family thing and the kids that's really their love of sports started there and um you know and they you know we we talk a lot about the emotions behind sports and being a fan and all that and and they know that it doesn't like I don't it doesn't really bother me when the 49ers lose because I don't really expect them to do a lot anymore and I and we talked about it and I told him I said I went through the period of football and I knew that that was great and I knew that that wasn't going to last forever like the, you know all those years of, of Montana and um, it was just just incredible and and it's there's no way to replicate that and it, and so I got to live that and I don't expect to ever live that again you know I mean Tom Brady kind of uh, you know in his own way did that for New England fans but you know I expect to see that in my lifetime with one of my teams again and the giants doing winning three world series in five years you know that kind of stuff from the wild card spot like like all that all that kind of stuff like you've got to appreciate it when you're in it because not everybody gets to experience it yeah absolutely so what we're actually going to be talking about is like one of our uh, what we're going to be talking about is our favorite moments of in scully and if possible if somehow Either of us had found a way to even get close to Vin Scully, a, a story of that. And then we'll talk about, bizarrely, of like, well, everything else is a video game. Why not a sports announcing simulator video game? I like that. So do you have a favorite moment? It, it can involve the Giants if, if you want as well. Like the Giants yeah, won the game and Vin Scully made the call or something. Well, my, my favorite Vin Scully moment has nothing to do with baseball. Vin Scully's last um, football broadcast for CBS happened to be at Candlestick Park when Dwight Clark made the catch in 1982. And it was a beautiful um, it, was, it was a beautiful moment, and he captured it perfectly because it was such an, an improbable play, and it happened so perfectly, and, and the way he called it was perfect. You know, he's like, he caught it. Dwight Clark caught it. And then as the moment... You know, he let the moment breathe, as Vin did. And then afterwards, he said uh, something to the effect of, um, I'm on antihistamine, so I might, I, my brain's not working, uh, functioning fully. It's fine. But um, I, he said something to the effect of, Dwight Clark is six foot two, but today he stands 10 feet tall in Candlestick Park. <laughs> so beautiful. So that's my favorite Vin Scully moment. There is no second. Uh, let's see here. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but I got to say 1988 game one of the World Series, especially when he he 
he told the cameraman to the point at at the at the dugout and he kept on mentioning how Kirk Gibson is in the dugout. <laughs> yeah, that was a beautiful night, man. That was cool. <laughs> and he, he got Kirk Gibson to come up to the plate. Hey, there's a reason why they gave him a World Series ring. He 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 earned it. He got Kirk Gibson coming up to the plate. He and the, out on that one. Yeah, and, and the words that he says, uh, sorry, this is not the best Vince Scully uh, impression. In a season that is impossible, the improbable has just happened. Beautiful. <laughs> I think he said that. Yeah. That's, you know what was my, my favorite when he used to say Andre Ethier? For some reason, when he'd say Andre Ethier, I loved it. <laughs> Andre Ethier. I was listening to a story on... Um, so I, I listen to KMBR, Giants Radio, a lot. And uh, one of the hosts is a former baseball player. You might remember his name's F.P. Santangelo. That sounds and, like a familiar name. Yeah. Yeah, so F.P. Santangelo. I mean, he, did, he didn't have like a... a you know, he didn't have like a huge career, but he was, um, you know, he played for no, the Dodgers, played for the Giants. Last name, I'll just say that. That's a very familiar last name. Yeah, so when he was on the Dodgers, he was a young player, and he, he was telling the story because he hosts the show on KMBR, but he was, uh, um, when, when he was a young player on the Dodgers, Vin Scully would say his name, and he pronounced it without the, um, the T, so he would call him F.P. Sanangelo, and... Um, and he, his family called him, and they're like, "Man, you gotta go correct him." And he goes, "I'm not gonna correct him. That's Vin Scully. You don't go, you don't correct the greatest, you know, broadcaster of all time or whatever." But anyway, so uh, at one point, uh, he was invited to meet Vin because I guess, uh, you know, the players kind of, you know, get to talk to him, tell him like that. That's where he gets the stories from. And um, he told Vin, he's like, he, he goes, it doesn't really matter to me, but my family would like you to pronounce my my name correctly. And Vin is like. Uh, he's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, FP, but your family's pronouncing your name wrong. I've known many Sanangelos in New York, and the name is pronounced Sanangelo. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want me to call you Santangelo, FP, I'll call you Santangelo. <laughs> and so that's so he told that story. It was just such a great story. Like, man, it's so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like when you change your name, if Vince started calling your name something else, you know? You're like, maybe he's right. And <laughs> maybe we've been wrong. Your name's pronounced Nathan Sprock. Okay, I guess it is. I guess it is. Vince said it, so I guess it is now. <laughs> well, it derived from the word Sprock, which uh, came from, I do believe it came from Germany. And it means to speak up. So. Oh, yeah, perfect. See that's a see that was very Vin like moment. You were able to pull that out of out and add it to context, and it it added to the story. That that was awesome. That's a Vin moment, man. Good work. Look, Vin Scully was to my dad's Abraham Lincoln, which I'm actually gonna. This is a clever segue of telling you on how I came close to Vin Scully, but not quite. <laughs> So we tried to get tickets, uh, I think it was around 2014. I graduated from Ventura College. We tried to get tickets to, to the Reagan Library, uh, but it was immediately sold out. As soon as we saw in the paper that Ben Scully was speaking at the Reagan Library, sold out. So my dad was kind of bummed out. He was thinking, man, this is almost trying to get you trying to get me me the chance to talk to Abraham Lincoln, you know, and, but, but three years later, he, he went all out. He's like, all right, there's a speaker series and there's a lot of speakers, but one of them is Vince Scully. Oh, nice. We're going to this in Thousand Oaks. And, And it was kind of funny to think of, you know, 
I, I was just happy to hear him speak, right? I wasn't expecting, you know, to get, you know, trying to get an autograph or being able to talk to him because that costed extra. There was specifically a room that if you paid extra, you were able to speak with him, have him say, and now up to bat is, and, and all of that. I, I was just mm-hmm. happy to hear him speak. And we actually had a chance to write down questions. So I, so I wrote down a question of what got him into sports. You know, was there a sports announcer that got him into, you know, while he was growing up? that he wanted to become a, you know, a sports announcer. He, he did answer the question, but he didn't answer my card. It was someone else's card. Because my card, at the time I was striking out, uh, <laughs> at the time I was striking out in, in the jobs market. So I just thought, you know what, what the heck? I have this business card. My dad had a paper clip. I paper clipped the business card. Because I wasn't thinking I was going to be very close to Vince Scully. I was just going to hear him speak. And I wanted to find every opportunity, right? Right, of course. So with the right timing, I was thinking of like heading down to the restroom. But luckily, I didn't. Because coming towards me is in this suit, this redhead of, of course, Vince Scully. Walking down, and he and I was kind of surprised to see a security guard, but I kind of understood, you know, having a security guard. And he was walking down, talking with his friend. My dad told me, like, afterwards, I would have faked a heart attack just to have you talk to Vince Scully if I could. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> that's the dad's love right there. But... The timing of it to me wasn't right because this was before he was about to speak. And, you know, you, you don't want to have someone get a little bit off track because they're very focused on speaking tonight. Yeah. And also he was speaking with a very close friend, which they were having a very interesting conversation with each other. It wasn't about baseball, but it, they were just talking about old times and... You know, as much as I wanted to come up to him and and say hi to him, it just didn't feel at the right time. Yeah. But luckily, like as he walked, I was three inches away from him, mm-hmm. and and I was very close. I, and he walks strolling on by, and as he gets in the elevator, I just say, "Hey, Vin." He looks around. He looks up acknowledges and smiles right back at me and you know what i'm pretty satisfied with that that's awesome (laughs) that's cool what a great story (laughs) i mean it went all over the place but it ended you know so i'm really satisfied with that you know just saying hey then and him acknowledging you know i'm right there and that was the yeah. beauty of Scully. He acknowledged everybody. He didn't mind what team, what your background was, or even social class. He yeah. treated you as he would want to be treated. Right. So when he answered the question, it was Red Barber, right? Wasn't Red Barber the one that got him into broadcasting? Yeah, it was Red Barber, but he said like a different announcer that you know, inspired him, you know, inspired oh, wow. him to broadcasting, inspired him. Yeah, I, I just can't do... think of a name because it was just a random, like, you never heard of this guy, but. but well, I he, think was in, what... he was in early days of broadcasting. So, yeah, that's, a, you know, in, in the in the early days, broadcasters did everything like you, you, you'd be the guy that broadcast football, baseball, basketball, you know, hockey, boxing spelling be everything like that like they in and there, there was only a few people that were doing it so and and the ones that were doing it a lot of them you know they get competitive they don't want anybody coming along so they make it seem impossible and all that kind of stuff and it's the same kind of stuff that still goes on in our industry i'm sure <laughs> yeah especially even when you try to get into podcasting there's just always going to be someone better than you let's be honest 
but we're just trying to honor then you know and, and just share memories we're not trying to be you know the you know the one that you must listen to about ben scully uh, there was a great article by Woody Woodburn on Ben Scully. I highly recommend people, you know, oh, check that nice. out. In the VC Star was, it was a great way, and even uh, wrapped it up well with what Ben Scully would want to hear uh, from God as soon as he got to heaven. Well done. Well, I'm sure he's been told well done. <laughs> he treated people with kindness, and and like you said, didn't matter where people were from. Everybody got the same level of um, respect when he would tell stories. They would, you know, he just had a way. He just had a way of of letting you know he was just a window. He was just a window into into everybody else. That's just such a cool thing, and you know, you have to have a level of confidence, but you also have to have a level of humility to be able to do that. You have to be able to, you know, step aside and let other things be bigger than you any anytime they pop up. Yeah, exactly. I I, I kind of hope that there's going to be a documentary at some point on Ben Scully. My goodness, I mean, where do you even start? It, I mean, of course you would start with the Bronx, you know, his background and and good luck trying to find a free-legged table, and, <laughs> you know. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, if there was a documentary on Vince Scully, it needs to be, it has to be called The Roar of the Crowd. Oh, it, yeah, it has no to question. Be. That's, that's Vince Scully. The Roar of the Crowd, the Vince Scully story. Either that or have it then, but the eye is the microphone, as everyone all over social media has been doing. They put the microphone symbol instead of an eye. Right. Because that was then. So I wonder how many of these games, like you'd have to think that every game he's ever called is in some way archived. So, you know, future generations will still be able to go back and enjoy these games. There's You've got to think that at some point an interest will you know, peek back up and go, let's start from the beginning of the season. You know, I don't know. It just seems like the possibilities are just endless. Yeah. I'm, I'm on antihistamines, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned no. that earlier. No, it's okay. But you had me remind remind me of your post that you posted yesterday. Uh, yesterday was 101 years of baseball broadcasting, and Vince Scully did 67 seasons. So he yeah. almost had done – Almost all of the broadcasting, you know, nearly all the broadcastings, except for, let me see here, 67. So that would be have to be 34. Right. Know. Yeah, the, uh, it was the, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. That'll never happen. But the broadcaster that, um, the I think it was like, it was Pirate, Pirates and Phillies game. It was like, Hank Arwin or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. It was it was uh it was something Hank like Arwin that. Yeah. and it was the Pittsburgh Pirates beat the beat Philly eight to five. I remember that part. I remember the eight five. And I remember that it was the Westinghouse um it was basically like a company radio and I guess the Westinghouse was this huge company and they had about five hundred listeners the very first um broadcast. Yeah, that, that's crazy. 67 out of 101 <laughs> years of baseball crazy? existence. Yeah, and you got to think those first few years were probably a little bit of figuring out how broadcasting works, too. So Yeah, um, and also Barber, and there was one other announcer, but he, he's kind of underrated in some way, but he was pretty good uh, for yeah. the Brooklyn Dodgers. They. I just forget his name, but I think his last name was Stevenson or something like that. Right. I, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, that cover man three. They they had so the Dodgers basically had three broadcasters over their uh, over their their lifespan. That's kind of crazy. Or three main. Everybody's got like their B team and their C team and all that, but it's kind of wild. And and Finn's not like a homer. That's the thing too. I was, I was talking to that about somebody about that. It might have been on a podcast, 
about how um, he was so unbiased. Like he, he would be as interested in other teams as he was his, you know, he at, definitely had more anecdotes and things for Dodgers because that's the people who are listening, but there was no um, favoritism or anything like that. You know, when you listen to the, the other legends like um, Harry Carey or um, I'm trying to think of who else, a lot of them would, would be biased. Harry you could tell. Yeah, they, they would be biased and they would be uh, Bob Euchre and they would all be biased toward the team that they were announcing for, which is fine. That's just a way of doing it. But, um, but the level of professionalism to be able to do that and not really show your favoritism, you know, maybe that's maybe that's why he he chose at a young age not to go uh, broadcast for one of his for his favorite team. Maybe that's how that happened. <laughs> because he didn't want to end up being the bias as any other announcer. He ends up being unique <laughs> from the others. As we, obviously, I'm kidding, but that we know that as a broadcaster, we where the opportunities are presented and we don't um you know it's not like we pick yeah and yeah exactly i'm not gonna wake up tomorrow and go you know what i think i'm gonna start working for the clippers i think yeah i'm gonna start working I, I, okay that's a bad example i probably could actually do that if i wanted to but um let's say another team like a professional team right right it's just i was just making fun of the clippers I mean, the difference is like with podcasting. If you're your own, you could say what you want. You just gotta keep in the guidelines, not to get, you know, too carried away political because everyone's tired of politics and sports. So, but otherwise, like you could pretty much talk. There's a reason why a lot of people are more game to podcasting than broadcasting these days. Right. Well, you got to go to where if you know people are gonna go where they want their. They're going to go to the where the information is being provided that they're looking for, so they'll they'll go for their direct information. Yeah. Did Did you ever get close to Vince Scully? I mean, like you were on sports radio. What was there a time? Um, or... I've never. I don't have any Vince Scully stories uh, personally. I've never, um, never, as far as I know, never been near him. Um, wasn't really that aware of him being a, a Giants fan who faithfully listened to KNBR my entire life and never really until I got down to Southern California. There was a couple of times where I would be down here visiting and they would have Ben Scully on and uh, you know at the at the house work. in a in a in a prior relationship. I had a, a wife who had a big family and they were all down here and they were all huge Dodgers fans. So we would come down and I would we would. Uh, watch the Dodgers game. They'd have the game on TV, but they would have Vin on the radio at that time. And, um, and they would have the, so they would have the Vince goalie playing while that was going on. So that was the only way I really kind of started to become aware of it. And that was, you know, I was, you know, already in my maybe late twenties by that point. And then when I moved down here is when I realized how iconic he is, and how long he's been doing what he's doing and how much different he is. You know, obviously you catch more local games when you live in the market. I moved to, uh, I moved to Ventura County, probably about, oh geez, was it about 15 years ago now? And so that's when I kind of started to be more aware of them. But but no, I've never really uh, made it a point to, you know, reach out or try to to um, to go to any of the stuff that he's he's done or anything like that. It's kind of funny, broadcasting-wise, I've never really, other than maybe Bob Costas, just because I love his storytelling, I've never really had anybody that I was like, I thought that was the one. Just because, like I said, our, they're, they're kind of a team. It's Dwayne Kuyper and, and Mike Kruko, and both of them were good players, not necessarily, I think uh, I think they might have both been an all-star once, maybe, or something like that. And, um, you know, but they were teammates, and so it's kind of a different different way of it being presented. It's nice. It's you know sad because they're getting old, and you know it's not going to last forever. But you know it's wonderful. Yeah. Did you actually uh, come close to talking to any of the Giants baseball announcers? I mean. Oh I, yeah, I've met those guys a few times. That that's uh, I've been around. <laughs> I've been around Giant stuff quite a bit. I don't. I don't have any like great stories or anecdotes or anything like that because uh, it's all you know, mostly fan stuff. As a kid, I went. Uh, my parents brought me to Candlestick Park in 
It's, you know, this is actually timely, and I, I think you know about this. So last week they retired uh, Will Clark's jersey, 22, over there at Oracle. And um, it's, it's it's Oracle Park now, right? Yeah, Again, it's called now. Oracle Park. Okay, I want to make sure. Okay, so they retired Will Clark's jersey now. And, uh, okay, where was I, where was I going to connect this? So they had, so, but it was a big, beautiful ceremony. They had a lot of his old teammates. And of course the, uh, Mike Kruko and, and Dwayne Kuyper were there and they were a big part of the whole retirement ceremony. Well, taking this back to how I, started, um, my parents brought me to Catholic Park in like, I think it was 89, uh, for my first game at the Giants against the Phillies. And um, they brought me there because I was a huge 49er fan. I kind of started to watch the Giants a little bit, but really the reason they brought me there was because that was the only way to get into Candlestick Park. The 49ers had a 10-year wait list just to get tickets. It was crazy because they were so, so popular. Like, imagine Joe Montana, you know, and all that, that time. You've got Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. They're bringing in Terrell Owens. They've got all this stuff going on. It was huge, right? I guess Terrell was a little later, but they but they were team at the time. So my parent, my my parent, I sound like I don't know anything about sports, and it's antihistamines. So write that down, antihistamines. Um, but uh, you know they were gaining popularity. So my parents bring me to the baseball game just so I go to Candlestick Park. Our very first baseball game, Will Clark hits a grand slam, right? And so and they hit it into our section because we were in the family, uh, you know, non-smoking, non-drinking section. And the the ball landed, you know, maybe 12 rows in front of us. And we watched the guy catch it. We watched the ushers come over and walk him down to the locker room. And then afterwards, we saw him walk out with a bunch of bats and stuff that Will Clark gave him. Um, but that was like the beginning of my love for the Giants. It was just this incredible game and this incredible day that was literally Will Clark's first Grand Slam. It was like the, it was like the beginning of this legend of this wild, wacky, who, if you were a Dodgers fan or anybody, any other team, you hated him because he's so fiery and he's so crazy. But you know, for me, it just it was like, oh, this is this is, I'm home. You know, I love this. <laughs> so it was fun watching them retire his jersey last week and uh, a lot of his old teammates coming out and and how much they really appreciated him because you never knew because he was so damn intense that you knew he didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of great that you got to see a player retire, and you got that moment with that player, and you got to see that live. That's. What was your? Have you been ever been to a, a like a, a live sports thing where something happened that you're like, I can't believe I was here for this. Uh, May Ramirez hit a grand slam. Uh, it was the Red Sox and the Phillies. I was at Citizens Bank Park. Nice. Uh, I was while I was doing a scholastic play by play. It was a sports broadcasting camp because they wanted to see if I would still be interested afterwards. You know, get all that energy of. AKA the guy annoyed me looking at the sports page and talking about sports almost nonstop. <laughs> so they sent me to a camp. Uh, also, uh, another one, I didn't get to see it, but I heard it on TV. It was a walk-off walk. The Baltimore Orioles against the New York Yankees. And I was, and I just thought that was crazy, a walk-off walk, because I never heard of that. Yeah, and the Yankees walk-off walks the Baltimore Orioles of all teams. Wow. And it's just, wow. Um, I've been lucky to be a lot of really big moments. So, so I was there for the Will Clark baseball, and also that game was Mike Schmidt, the the Hall of Fame baseball player, the third baseman from the Phillies. He retired after that game. That was his final game. Um, and then football, me and my brother were at the game when um, when Steve Young hit Terrell Owens in the end zone for the catch two against the Packers. We were there. We were actually sitting in that end zone. We were the front row of the second level. So we had we had such a great perspective. 
and we knew that he caught it. Not everybody in the stadium knew he caught it because it was such a, 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 a there was so much traffic with all the Packers players and everybody. And and then uh, the instant he caught it, everybody stood up. So it was it was kind of a hard visual for everybody to catch. But the where we were sitting, it was perfect. We knew he had the ball, and we knew that we'd won. It was such a great moment. And um, for basketball, I was at every single um, Sacramento Kings home game, including those great epic Western Conference final games against the Lakers that I don't want to talk about. And um, and so yeah, especially yeah. when you find later on down the line that one of them was actually rigged in favor of the Lakers. You know. Yeah. Well, they all were kind of a little bit because the 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 from what Donnie was saying, it was they you know they were to not call fouls on on Kobe and they were, you know, to, um, and I, I don't, you know, I really want to get into the sports conspiracy theory. Cause there were a few players who I used to like that, uh, that played really bad in that series. And I felt like it was almost intentional. So, but I don't want to get into all that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a, there's a reason why I, I don't, um, celebrate certain old Kings players. <laughs> Please don't tell me Mike Bibby's one of those. That would be no, weird. No, 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 no. Mike Bibby's incredible. No, Mike Bibby gave everything every single game. Chris Weber was absolutely amazing too. Chris Weber is, uh, I, I mean, he. I think he's a very misunderstood dude. Um, we used to, me and my brother used to. Um, sometimes we'd go out to the to the executive airport in Sacramento when the Kings would fly out. We kind of knew like what time they would leave. And um, it, I can't remember how it happened, but one day we went and Corliss Williamson came over and started talking to us. And it was when he was a rookie and we really didn't know who he was. And he, but he like started signing a bunch of stuff for us. And we're like, Hey, this is kind of a cool thing. We need to come over here and talk to them over here. Cause you act, cause they're waiting to get on the plane and stuff. And one time there was, um, I don't know if you remember, there's a big article about how Chris Weber hated Sacramento, didn't want to be in Sacramento and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So while that article was out and he was really getting like nailed in the press, uh, I go out there and I was by myself um, and they were getting ready to come down and play against the Clippers. And um, the plane had a, there was something wrong with the tire. So all the other players were like standing out by the, um, you know, by the, by the plane on their cell phone. Some of them stayed on the plane. Chris Weber came out and just walked over and talked to me. So he comes over and he's like, he's like, uh, I go, what's going on? He's like, ah, oh, man, they've got something to fix over there and all that. And I was like, so are you excited about? Because he, he had walked he had walked past me, but he was kind of like not late to get on the plane. And I was like, hey, man, have a safe trip, Chris, you know, whatever. So he just went, got on the plane. And then when they said there was a problem with the plane, he came back came back down and started talking to me. But um, uh, I asked him, I was, like, I, was like, I was like, so what do you really think about Sacramento? He goes, man, he goes, I hope I get to retire here. He goes, he goes, this is they 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 really this is these fans really do love the team and like he was really um positive and it was like a it was like kind of one of my first glimpses into i wouldn't say my glimpse but it was one of those uh rare glimpses when you find somebody and you realize that they weren't necessarily accommodating to the media so the media is not friendly towards them and um, and I felt like Chris Weber was really that guy because Chris Weber did, he was he was he would visit hospitals and he would do all these things, but he didn't bring cameras with him because he didn't feel like that was um, necessary. Yeah, he felt like he just want yeah. you know just doing your own thing. Like I don't need the cameras all around. I'm not a politician. Yeah, so that was always him, and he didn't do like paid autograph signings. He was, you know, he's changed his mind on that because the money with the fanatics is pretty good, I guess. But he used to not want to do that kind of stuff, I think, because he felt like it was. Um, I mean, I, I can't read his mind, but I, I he was, but he, but if you ever saw him, he was accommodating. He would sign autographs and he would take pictures, and he was very fan friendly. But you know, to see it, you know, the way it was portrayed in magazines and. And the media was as if he was like this guy that was hard to get along with and all. But um, you know, being a San Francisco. So you got along with you. So you're like, uh, what's what's the deal with the media? Like, why well, did you about you? Being a Giants fan, we dealt with that with uh, with uh, Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonds, and Will. Those guys, same thing, where they were kind of treated a little unfairly in the media, and a lot of it was because they 
had that same mentality. I mean, Bear, I mean, Willie Mays passed it on to Bobby Bonds. Bobby Bonds passed it on to Barry of, you know, you don't owe the media anything and you don't, you know, they're, they're, they're not your friends. Fortunately, if that's your attitude, they, they really can show you how unfriendly they could be, you know, and, uh, when Barry Bonds uh, broke the record and, and they, all they did was talk about the steroids. You could just see the, the joy the from the moment. The and, yeah, yeah, you could just, moment and that, and that's fine i you can have your opinions on him and that's fine but in that moment when he's got his his kid on his lap and he's celebrating that's that's really not the time to start crapping all over the guy you know what i mean i think that's really a um kind of an unfair moment and and they just took it away from him and uh you know and i don't think they care, i don't think they care that they did that they you know you you could go through the Mitchell report and the uh Jose Canseco's books and all that and literally 80% of the league was doing what they supposedly were vilifying Barry Bonds to do. They were just looking for a sacrificial lamb, a scapegoat. Yep, and so they picked the guy that, you know, wasn't going to placate him. So, I mean, that's where I stood on all that. And, you know, you would see that. And we had, uh, the 49ers had a guy that was a little bit like that, but he just went to quiet, and that was John Taylor. He, He had, early in his career, he... I think it was like a he tested positive for marijuana or he came in. I think he missed curfew by a little bit and they drug tested him and he had marijuana or something like that. It was really, really super early in his career. And then he just kind of went silent. He was nice, but silent. And then and now he's like a little more boisterous and, you know, great guy. I love him to death. But but that was that as a as a young person, I kind of was aware when that kind of stuff was going on. Well, we kind of went off track. This went from... Yeah, <laughs> the love of Vin to the hate for the media. <laughs> well, how about we talk about, well, since everything else has been made into like some type of simulation or video game, do you think it's the right time or like year, like maybe years down the road when everybody has processed, you know, the passing of Vin Scully... That there's a sports announcer uh, simulator video game. I like. It. How would how would the scoring go on something like this? Okay, so it would be kind of like similar to like a role playing game in a way. So you start out from high school, okay, and then you have an opportunity to make a call, and and you have options in in a way. So you pick a choice and. Either that or have it be VR and, and they add, like, you could, like, voice record or something and do that. I like that. We did a uh, – I don't know if you know who Carlos Alasraki is. He played Lieutenant Garcia on Reno 911. Him and I went to a 49er game. Um, it was a Monday night football game against the Saints one you, time. You're buddies did... with, with Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life? I, I text with Rocco almost every day. He's a diehard 49ers and Giants fan. Oh, my gosh. I would totally enjoy having him on, on a podcast at some point. If you could make that happen. I mean, I, I would be paying lunch for you for a whole entire year if you could make that happen. Oh, well, food's involved, <laughs> then I can make it happen. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk, I'll talk to him. We'll, we'll, we'll set something up for sure. Yeah, Rock, he's, uh, Carlos is a, a really, really close friend of mine. Um, just to give you a little history of me and he and I, most recently we went to pre-pandemic was the last time we went to a live sporting event together. Uh, it was Rams 49ers at the Coliseum. It was the game when the 49ers just dominated the stands, dominated on the field. And, uh, Richard Sherman had a great game in his old Coliseum and went around signing autographs. Um, uh, but, uh, it was, a um, so that was the most recent one we were at. I have great videos of all the Rams fans leaving after the 49ers got way ahead. And then um, uh, we also went to when Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in Las Vegas. We were at that. Um, let's see. We were at the Drew Brees. Uh, we had we, we went to 49ers-Ravens game in uh, Levi Stadium's opening year. And because Carlos was doing some video stuff with the 49ers, uh, they gave us field passes. So when we when we went into Levi Stadium for the first time, we walked out onto the field. We didn't go onto the concourse. So our perspective of the stadium was from from the field. It was a totally weird thing for me. I've never entered a stadium for the first time that way. Um, it was kind of cool. But um, so uh, and then 
so we've done quite a few games like that. We did, we've done, you know, four, uh, football games. I, I think we're getting to the point where it's, it's hard to count. <laughs> but yeah, I will make sure to, I will, I will make sure to put you in touch with them. Wow, that's that's crazy. It's crazy on what people like. I I know we're in the state of California, but it's just still kind of crazy and kind of cool. Of oh yeah, I know this person, or oh yeah, my niece is apparently this actress that was once dating Aaron Rodgers. And it's like <laughs> that's oh funny. okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah you we actually. Yeah, we act, me and him actually have eaten a couple times. Have eaten at uh, when Chris Weber had his restaurant. Bring tying it all back to the earlier story. Chris Weber used to have this great restaurant. It was really neat. It was um, the restaurant was set up like a court, so there were the tables were on the court, and there was basketball hoops, and then there were jerseys and in um, these plexiglass frames, so that there wasn't any framework. It was just plexiglass. It looked really cool. So the jerseys were like coming up from the or coming down from the ceiling or whatever. And he had Michael Jordan, and he had like a lot of the player, like fan favorites, like Sean Kemp and stuff like. But they were all over the place. It was really a neat place, and it, it was uh, it didn't look cluttered at all. It was just really well done. And um, unfortunately, they had like a nightlife there that he it wasn't anything to do with him. It was you know the restaurant trying to make money on the bar, and there was some stuff that happened there that didn't didn't go well. And it was really unfortunate because it was a really great restaurant. We really liked it a lot. But yeah, we went there a couple times. Wow, <laughs> that's that's crazy. But I want I kind of want to get back to the talking more oh, the, about the, the simulator. I know I'm great at derailing, especially when I'm on the antihistamines. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking, like, at some point, you know, in the game, uh, if you talk the most monotone, you get the Joe Buck achievement. It's the most exciting moment possible, and you decide to speak in a monotone voice. So that would yeah. be the Joe Buck achievement. He's going to go ahead and hit a home run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that one. I'm trying to think of... The achievement would be uh, you say something very poetic... You know about a situation, or either that, or it's two two to count, and the pitcher might as well be stranded on a deserted island at this moment, feeling alone with nothing but empty bases around. I love that. <laughs> so that would be the to... achievement. You say something, yeah. Or you say something random, but it's on topic, and then you're like, it's two to the count. There's a man on first, one out, here in the bottom of the sixth. So that would be the Vince Coy achievement. The, the Bobby Wecker achievement would be you go all crazy. So that would be the Bobby Wecker achievement. You just go all crazy. And if it's the Milwaukee Brewers that you're announcing for, that's an added bonus. So. I like that. I think you so, have to have. There's a, there has to be a, a Vin Scully weaving through the conversation because because the way he would weave into like a story and then what's actually going on and like still stay in the story without missing a beat was just so incredible. Yeah, you should have actually heard him uh, at the talk. So his opinion on Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, he says no. Yeah. Yeah, that was his answer. No. Hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking and they asked him that question should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame he said no but he explained a lot more why he said no but I never seen well, him answer a question so fast in my life <laughs> he had the ready answer he's like no we think somebody that's in baseball like that, they have to have a really clear feeling on it. And it, it seems like a lot of people feel like he shouldn't be in. It, it feels like a lot of the people that think he should be are, are mostly fans. I I think, like, if you do, like, maybe there, 
I think it's one of those things of maybe it might have to come to a point there should be like a fan hall of fame. So like they're like, yeah, this person did wrong, but look at you know what they did statistic wise. You know, it it might have to come to that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, or just a competitive Hall of Fame. I mean, <laughs> there could be a Hall of Fame that tells the truth. That's the football kind of has that problem where there's a lot of guys in the football Hall of Fame that if we're if we're going to have that morality clause, you got to start yanking people. Yeah, out I mean, Ray Lewis, you know, I mean, before the before Super Bowl 35, yeah. Yeah, Ray uh, Lewis, O.J. Simpson. There's there's a few, there's a few guys on there that uh, Marvin Harrison. There's a few guys that have some. Uh, there's a few guys that have some. If you dig in, there's some stuff. There's a reason why people nickname it sometimes the National Felon League. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That is true. Now these well, days hope- it's called the No Fun League, but I mean. Hopefully, I, I, it seems to be that there's a little better, um, you know, maybe they're better at covering up, but it seems to be like they're, they've got a little better control over what's going on there. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, related to PEDs or, you know, concussion protocols, but it seems like it's not as, uh, it seems like people aren't wilding out quite as much. Or just can't help themselves getting a little bit too carried away, getting massages. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> How many of it? He, he booked, didn't he book like 180 massages in a year? Something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, dude, calm down. Dang. You know that he has a team masseuse, man. Just go get a, just go get a real massage. Go get an athletic massage. <laughs> you do know that that Jerry Rice kind of got popped on something like that at a in earlier in his career too, right? I'm not really surprised. I mean, like, if if you're good at something, someone will find a way to put some dirt <laughs> on on that diamond or something. Yeah. Well, they with him, it was a it was a. I shouldn't even be putting this out there because it's not even worth the story. But he was he was actually at a massage parlor, and, and there was some of that going on. Not necessarily where he was at, but he was inside the place when it when they oh a lot of it was going on but he didn't have anything to do with it but they jumped to conclusions yeah that's me in a nutshell jumping to the conclusions either that or (laughs) seeing all the lies that you say yeah it's true (laughs) it's one or the other i mean if you speak against them they see you as an enemy if you speak for them they'll find a way to go like ah they meant this and that and this no, what they meant was we are looking at at a recovery pretty soon. He didn't mean that as another way of saying recession. I like the simulation game. I think that the simulator, I want it to be like in, a, in one of the metaverses. I think we need to go call games in the metaverse. If, if, uh, that still, if that still exists, I don't. I don't trust Meta. You kidding me? I don't. I don't trust. I think we need to go with someone else that is a lot more trustworthy with privacy. I don't trust Meta. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't trust Meta. I don't even know what Meta is. That I, I was kind of like pulling that out of my. It ear. used to be Facebook, but they changed their name to be Meta. Oh, really? Interesting. It's Facebook. Do they really think we're going to be that foolish? It's a new company that came out of existence. No, it's Facebook. It's Mark <laughs> Zucky, boy. <laughs> I love it. So, so the sports announcing simulator would be you start from high school, and if you do well, you go through college. And then like you could even add as an option of you could also play as well. You know, for one year, you could play that sport as well. And then you get to professional. And the storyline is you're trying to decide on whether to be an athlete or a broadcaster. That kind of thing. So that's your storyline. And you realize... You know, you had some experience, but you rather prefer to broadcast than being an athlete. Because you realize you're not the best athlete. That's yeah. the story. 
So you become a broadcaster, and most likely you're going to be easily hired. And you have a lot of options, and we would obviously uh, make up names of the, uh, the, the companies, because otherwise we would have to pay a bundle to Disney, and that's the last thing that anyone wants to do, having yeah. to pay a bundle to Disney. So you would make up like a, a bunch of different names uh, for the broadcasting companies, but maybe just have it be. It, this is the baseball broadcasting company. Uh, this is the uh, basketball association broadcasting, and so on and so forth. And then it gets to a point that you could even have it be kind of similar to what a lot of sports announcers are going through. You have the option of either you say, uh, you don't say, or you say something, or you even go off topic and be political. You know, you have those options. Because that's kind of sports announcing these days. And you, you have those options. I like that. And each option, like based on it, you either, you know, become well known or you end up to the point of you end up losing the job. So, I don't know. I think if it worked right, it would be interesting. And you don't give it to EA. It could be an interesting thing. And you could even call it Scully's Booth. I like that. John Mann's already got his thing. Yeah. So I I think that should pretty much do it. Uh, Vince Scully, uh, Scully family, I just want to say our condolences to you. Thank you for you know being able to share this wonderful person, wonderful man, you know, with a lot of people around the world. We will, a lot of us will never forget those moments that that will stay with us for a long time. And we appreciate that you sh shared with him as long and letting him be able to buy by his terms, by his terms of how long he, he could broadcast. And we really do appreciate that. A lot of those moments and memories will be with us forever. Rest your microphone, Vin Scully, Vincent Edward Scully. We will never forget you. Well said, man. Well said. So, Tom, would you like to plug something coming up for you? And as we're wrapping up, be dribbling over. Well, uh, August, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, August 13th, I'll be in Commerce Casino with my show, The, uh, the Walkout. We, me and my buddy Mark the Menace Young, who's a fighter, an MMA fighter, we will be calling the MMA fights there at the Commerce Casino. Uh, we have 20 bouts scheduled. That's going to be a blast. Uh, they're, they're going to sell out. Go to SSPMMA if you want to go live. And then uh, if you listen to the broadcast on GigglesLive.com, if you um, if you want to check it out, it's, we, we have a really good time. And we sit down. We talk to a lot of winners. We talk to winners. We talk to losers. We talk to um, everybody. We have a really good time. And we really enjoy it. And I we shouldn't have used the word losers because really in, in this sport. It's a sport. It really is a sport where you win or you learn because it's, you know, it, they are in they are in the cage to make each other better. A positive sport, and it's a very positive energy uh, thing to be a part of. So anybody who has not been, ever been to an MMA, uh, more than likely your uh, your your preconception of what goes on there is is probably not the way it's going to match up. It's actually a really incredible. Uh, a positive environment. It's very, um, it's fun and it's uplifting and it's a, a high energy night. And then on August 19th, I have my show returning to the uh, the hangar bar in Santa Paula, Giggle Santa Paula, and a great headliner, Benny Mena. I'm not just saying that because he's a 49er fan, but Benny Mena is <laughs> going to be there at the uh, Giggles bar. And then we have uh, coming to Camarillo September 10th. That is a big secret show. For all those tickets and all the information, you can go to gigglesLive.com to get my info on all that. That's pretty much it. All right. And for all of you, uh, just uh, you can contact, well, just Nathan.sprague.studio voice prod 
at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on topics in sports or anything else. Be dribbling over has been lately been be dribbling all over the place on topics. <laughs> Antihistamines. As I'm Nathan, and thank you again, Tom, for being on Be Dribbling Over, telling all of you to be dribbling over till next time. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>